Good morning. I have to say what an honor and a privilege it is to come before all these mighty men of God uh, uh, and speak to you this morning. Uh, the title of this uh, message is um, Move to the Front Leadership. Uh, so let's just get started. So let's face it, guys. Leadership is about influence. We all influence someone every day, whether it be a negative or in a positive manner, but it all depends on you. Some days the best you can do is just lead yourself. This morning, I'm going to use a model to help us through, and I hope each of you have received a copy of a triangle for this lesson. This model has helped me several times throughout the years, which I feel God has given me a biblical perspective, and I appreciate Pastor Curtis and Pastor Joshua uh, for helping me to bring you bring this to you this morning. Um, also, I would really like to give a big shout out to the guys at uh, Wind River Ranch at Estes Park, Colorado. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for what you guys do every single day, uh, day and for our first responders and military veterans. This morning, I'm going to use a corporate model. It is based upon a book by a well-known author named Peter Lencioni. He wrote The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And when I first received a copy of this book several years ago, I was attending the first module of the LEMIT program, which stands for the Law Enforcement Management Institute of Texas. I was, I was at Texas A&M University, and when I read it, I knew that there was a God-inspired message within the content. Using this triangle, it will be like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, only it will be the building blocks for a team. Pastor Curtis has emphasized many, many times about teamwork and leadership. We are all part of a, a, of a lot of different teams within our lives, starting with ourselves. Yes, each one of us uh, is on our own little team with God as the owner, the CEO, and the coach of our, of our own team. And sometimes he allows us to play. We are all on a, uh, teams within, within our families, at work, and even here at church, if you're not willing just to sit on the sidelines. God has called us all to be disciples, and that means we must go and disciple others. So I'll begin with describing a man. See if you can figure out who I'm describing. He was a man who just happened to see his principles as immovable, uh, as immovable objects rather than minor inconveniences. He was given to enormous responsibilities because people admired how he handled the small ones. Over and over again, he was willing to sacrifice his own happiness for the good of others. He wound up at every insurmountable mountain in front of him because he knew that there was an insurmountable mountain in front of him. He, he knew the enormity of what he faced, yet he saw each decision as another step, and he used his principles and, yes, his faith. He was a man who clearly believed that God was in charge. He was a man of quick temper, suffered huge amounts of anxiety, knew great humility, and displayed a great sense of grief and, and repentance. In reality, his life was a series of challenges, Handled with honor, humbleness, firmness, and faith. 
and he was profoundly fond of, of ice cream. Can anybody guess who I just described? They didn't have ice cream <laughs> that I know of. <laughs> I just described George Washington, the father of our nation. <clears throat> this morning, as we go through the triangle, my hope is that you will see if, how effective these principles will fit on your own team. So, Romans 12, 6, six through 8. Having then the gifts differing, uh, differing according to the grace that, that is given us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, he, we each have a gift and it is our gifts that God uses to make us effective leaders. As Christian men, it is imperative to lead in our families and at our jobs. More so today than ever before, God is calling for godly men to stand up and be accountable and be committed to his tenets and his principles. Our nation depends on men of character to be sound leaders. The societal forces are dismissing men as leaders, and honestly, what society and the culture is saying is anything but normal, and it sure isn't godly. Godly men are united, and the, and the cultural norms in which we are living in today, such as critical race theory and LGBTQ movement, uh, are only there to split us up and divide us. So being a leader means putting yourself out there, exposing yourself. We must lead from the front, first and foremost. And with God's guidance and a little bit of common sense, we can lead from the front. The person who leads from behind creates confusion to those who are following. Moving to the front for a leader should be a steady climb, although it can be a bumpy ride with hills too hard to climb, valleys that seem to have no end. There is nothing easy about a leadership position. Leadership is challenging, and while not always tangible, the rewards are can be spiritual when you are able to influence someone's life and give them confidence and joy, and their life changes for the better. Leadership is not management. Managers manage things, and leaders lead people. However, they can go hand in hand, and often enough, it is necessary to do both but very difficult to be good at both. However obtained, leadership starts from the top down and the organization's capability, production, response, and spree de corps is a reflection of the leader. The most important ingredient in leadership is credibility and integrity. Dwight D. Eisenhower said, in order to be a leader, he must have followers, and to have followers, a man must have their confidence. Hence, the supreme quality for a leader is unquestionably integrity. If a man's associates find him a phony, <clears throat> if they find that he lacks forthright integrity, he will fail. And, and honestly, speaking from personal experience, leadership can be kind of like riding a horse. When you fall off, you just have to climb back up into the saddle. 
So let's dig just a little bit deeper. Romans 12, 4 through 5. For we as many members of one body, but all members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Paul, in speaking to the saints of the church, was describing a team. Using this Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I want to show you what makes a functional team. So our first level of our pyramid is the base of the pyramid, the base of the triangle. It is the strongest part of the pyramid, and it holds the cornerstone, which is trust. Trust is the foundation for any team, whether it be a marriage, a church, a business, a farm and ranch operation, a law enforcement agency. Trust is extremely fragile, and like an egg, it can be shattered with almost no way of mending it. Never forget, all the king's men and all the king's horses couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Without trust, the team or organization quickly crumbles. Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The definition of faith is believing in something, but it also, but it is also trusting in something. Without trust, it's really hard to believe in something. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. Sometimes you just have to let it go and trust God. Our second level in our pyramid is conflict. This is big, guys. A team that trusts each other does not fear conflict. They are not afraid to engage in passionate dialogue about issues and decisions, and it is key to the organization's success. They don't hesitate to challenge and question one another in the spirit of discovering the truth and make the best decisions. Conflict can be positive or it can be a negative in nature. A positive conflict was when Jesus confronted the woman at the well and Jesus changed her point of view and she acknowledged he is the Christ. A great example of a negative conflict was David and King Saul. Saul became mean-spirited and became jealous of David. However, David used this conflict to grow not only in the Lord, but also as an effective leader, and he was able to lead by example. The third level of commitment, it, the, the, our third level in our, in our pyramid is commitment. Commitment is that part of the brain that tells the heart as we wake up each morning, Lord, what and how am I able to, what and how am I able to do today to make a difference in someone's life? It is a positive and it is our motivation and our dedication to a higher cause than ourselves. As leaders, we must realize that we can, can't always do it on our own, but as a team, we can accomplish so much more. <clears throat> it can also, uh, while, while individual accomplishments can be good for the team, it can also, uh, uh, make a difference. Nehemiah had such a commitment to finish the wall and his influence completed the wall in Jerusalem in 52 days. It was perceived the work was done by God. Nehemiah 6, 15 through 16. John Maxwell uh, says commitment comes before anything else in a leader's life. 
Leaders who complete a task possess at least four characteristics. Number one, they have a compelling purpose. They make a great commitment to a great cause. They have a clear perspective. They don't let fear cloud their view of the future. They stay in continual prayer. They pray about everything and gain God's favor. Number four, they have a courageous persistence. They move ahead despite all the odds. Our fourth level in our pyramid is accountability. Jesus held Peter accountable. And when he asked Peter three, three times if he loved him, Jesus held him accountable because Peter had denied him three times. His accountability later added to the church 3,000. And in one day, the church was established. Romans 14, 12. So then each of us shall give an account to himself of God. The word is shall. That is an absolute. It's not may. It's not maybe. The meaning is, is that it will be required. Teams that hold to axioms or standards do not hesitate to hold one another accountable according to those standards. One other thing, accountability should not be totally relied on upon by the pastor or the team leader, but by each other on the team. Our final tier of our pyramid is results. <clears throat> it is without a doubt you have noticed the, t the top of the triangle is much smaller than the base. You now realize that in order to get results, that trust, conflict, commitment, and accountability are what gets those results. As a leader, it is up to you to define what those results are. Max Dupree stated, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. The last is to say thank you. In between, the leader is a servant. Results are tangible, something that we can see, feel, and hear. But the biggest result that we can get is to see lives transformed and changed for the good and the service of the kingdom of the Lord through discipleship. That in itself is a miracle. Jesus' result it was that he gave his life for the forgiveness of sins that we may live life everlasting. So I only have two application points. The two points that I'm going to talk about have an effect on the other three tiers phenomenally, and they are the focus in which leaders must put forth their most concerted effort. Number one is conflict. Conflict is going to occur no matter what. All of us who are married and have children know this to be a fact. Whether we want it or not, we're going to get the conflict. If you avoid conflict, you're doing others a dis disservice. If you're being mean-spirited, you will cause resentment and could break the bonds of trust. When the conflict brings, <clears throat> brings forth ideas, proposals, and the team together talks it out or war games it, uh, the advantages and dis disadvantages, then it becomes a positive. However, when it becomes a personal attack, then conflict is a negative. <clears throat> conflict is a negative and detrimental to the team. Now let's get real for just a moment, guys. Okay. As men, 
we often use humor to help us deal with the conflict. Humor has a way of helping us deal with issues, whether we are on the receiving end or on the initiating end. Sometimes it helps to soften the blow or it can help face help us face a reality which hasn't quite been processed, but it can also be detrimental if it's taken out of context. So in most cases, it's just easiest to let your word be yes, yes, and your no, no. So there's a fine line. One example for me is that I tend to be somewhat persistent, which causes conflict in, in others that I live and work with. (laughs) <laughs> thank you <laughs> but but then but when but when i believe in something and god keeps nagging at me at my heart the dividends seem to always have a good return the second point is accountability this can be very hard for a leader to hold to hold someone accountable and it can often break the bonds of friendship Done right, accountability can have rewards beyond measure, but it can also be destructive. My personal experience with this was there was an individual I supervised, and when I was a sergeant in jail, he became insubordinate. He was held accountable and given a second chance. When I then supervised him in the field on patrol, he became insubordinate again, and unfortunately, he lost his job. I tell you this because in the back of my mind, I wish there was something I could have done to, differently that could have helped, helped him. This is where the leader truly has to stick himself out there and lead from the front. It is why this is the hardest part of being a leader, accountability. But it must be done. Luke 12, 47 through 48, and I'm going to be using the message for this verse the servant who knows what his master wants and ignores it or insolently does what he pleases will be thoroughly thrashed. But if he does a poor job through ignorance, he'll get off with just a slap on the hand. Great gifts mean great responsibilities. Greater gifts mean greater responsibilities. This is what it means to be accountable. So finally, Christian men are the best and the greatest leaders in the world. George Washington is a great example of this type of leader, but there are many more, including right here at Harvest. Here at Harvest, our leaders possess tremendous faith in people. The leader does everything, our leadership does everything in its power to encourage, equip, and empower us to be disciples. In doing so, they are teaching us to be leaders. There is no comparison that the Word of God is the greatest leadership manual our world has ever known because it is truly a gift. As you go throughout this day, I hope you will remember this model and try to work this out within your own teams. And hopefully, these leadership principles will make each of us a better disciple, give us the courage to go to go out and be a positive influence and obtain the results for our Lord Jesus Christ. May we pray. Thank you, Lord, for the men at Harvest Connection. Thank you for the brave hearts, allowing us to worship you to become better, to glorify your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.